the service from the beginning. I was just so grateful for our church and for our musicians and how they lead us into the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much, uh, music folks. We appreciate you so much. That's... And I, I was thinking this. I love our church. I think we have such a wonderful church. I mean, the pastor is... Mm, but aside from that... Uh, I just love being here and engaging with you all in the presence of God. And we come here to meet God in a a real and powerful way week after week. Well, if you haven't been with us, you won't know that we uh, have been in a series of um, messages uh, off our vision statement, touching our world through Jesus one life at a time. And, And my prayer is that for all of us, we would recognize and be used of the Lord to touch our community, to touch our families, to touch our workplaces through Jesus, that we would make a difference. See, it seems to me that the church um, is, is in our day in society and culture has been so marginalized and, and it's not heard from and it's not seen, it's tucked away and people wonder what happens in this uh, in this place, behind those doors, in this building, in their community. And, and, and the church was meant to make a difference in our world, not to, be, not to be marginalized, not to be hidden away and not seen or heard from, but to be light in darkness, to be salt, um, in, in, to preserve and to season. And so we've entitled this series of messages, uh, Ripples. And, and you know when you toss a pebble into the water, Um, you can see there's a ripple that goes out and another and another. And and even the smallest acts of kindness and and, and expressions of generosity and goodness to others can have a ripple effect that spills out far beyond what we could imagine. I remember uh, a man who died recently who who was uh, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary and touched millions upon millions of people in a 60-year teaching career, if you can imagine that. He came from a home where mom and dad had split up. He was raised by his maternal grandparents. They loved him. They took him in. He was in school. In grade five, he was, he was voted uh, by the, the teacher said, um, this guy's going to end up in prison. He, he was in trouble. And he had a sixth-grade teacher, Mrs. Noah, who loved him, who said to him, I've heard a lot about you, Howie, and I don't believe any of it. And for the first time, he said, there was somebody who believed in me. But that tiny ripple in the pond would lead to him uh, finding Christ through a Sunday school teacher who cared for him and who who, uh, engaged with boys in the community. And, And from there, it went one thing to another, and he has touched millions of lives around the world. And so you never know what you do when you do one even small kind act. And so we've been looking at this over the last uh, two weeks. We talked about what it means to love each other, to change our world through love, and then also promoting justice, supporting and protecting people who are otherwise exploited and disadvantaged. And, And daily as we look for opportunities and we ask God, God, open my eyes to the needs around me that we could respond to them, God can use us to make a difference. Well, today we want to um, keep this, uh, this series going, and we want to talk about 
um, how we touch our world through Jesus, one life at a time, through prayer, through prayer. Prayer is an incredible privilege for us. Uh, we have the privilege of, of knowing God. Uh, the God who created everything that we see. The God who sovereignly rules the whole universe. He's in control of everything. A God who is so great and so awesome and, and so powerful is that God who has a concern for us. It's a God who loves us. He's a God who calls us into relationship with him. And, and that we can, through what Jesus has done, have an audience with this God at any time, day or night. It is unprecedented. You heard the, the verse from Deuteronomy 4 this morning. What other nation is so great to have their gods near them, the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray? And in the ancient Near East, they had idols that were their gods. They were deaf. They were mute. They were made by human hands. They couldn't listen. They couldn't speak. They couldn't do anything. And God says through Moses, what other nation is so great to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray? Whenever we pray, he's near us. What, a, what an incredible thing. But Israel's God is, is this incredible God whom we have access to. And that access isn't for everybody. Everybody doesn't get access to that God. It's only those who come through Jesus Christ who are able to access that. Only those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, those who have become part of God's family, can pray truly our Father who art in heaven. And so here we are, day or night, anytime, having access to this God, being in a relationship, a close and intimate relationship with God in which we can talk to him and he shares with us also. And I got to tell you, it's, I feel it's, it's somewhat embarrassing that we have this incredible privilege and yet we don't avail ourselves of it as much as we should or could. It's an astounding privilege Knowing that Jesus um, became one of us. He became human. He came uh, and, and lived a life that so relied on the communion with his father in prayer. That his life was saturated with that. That everything he did, he did in conversation with the father. It was indispensable to his program and what he was to do. It was saturated with prayer. As this past year, we've been working on uh, documents, uh, mission statement updated and, and vision statement and values, core value statements. And one of our core values is prayer. And I'm going to read you what our, our statement on prayer is. Uh, prayer, we are cognizant of our inability to effectively live for Christ and to serve him faithfully in our own strength. We are reminded that without Jesus, we can do nothing for God's guidance and direction, wisdom and empowerment. We humbly acknowledge our deep need and will bathe the life and ministry of our church in concerted prayer. We want to be at the core of who we are and what's important to us to recognize that we can't do anything without him. And, and God, by his grace, has opened access for us to pray. We need God. We need prayer if we're going to touch our world through Jesus. I don't know about you, though, 
But prayer can be a challenging uh, uh, issue. Um, the challenge of prayer. I mean, it's, it's easier for me to preach a half an hour on prayer than it is to pray for a half an hour. Focused prayer. My mind riveted on God and what he wants for us. Prayer is, uh, in, in many senses, very mysterious to us. We, we, we have trouble coming to understand all the intricacies of what it means to pray. In fact, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things belong to God. There's some mystery in prayer too. It's not like we can, we can so easily and neatly uh, compartmentalize everything and, and define everything. We're in a relationship with God and we communicate uh, with this spirit God who is unseen. And I don't know about you, but at, at times... We wonder when we pray, are our prayers bouncing off the ceiling? Is, does God hear us? Because are, are we just talking, speaking into the wind? Uh, we're confused at times. Uh, we prayed for our aunt and she died of cancer. We prayed for safety and we had an accident. Uh, we cried out to God for our kids and we watched them walk away from the church and, and we watched them get into trouble and we were praying and, and, and we're going like, I don't, I don't get it. Does this thing really work or, or does it not work? Uh, we're, we have questions. We, we question, uh, why, why didn't God answer that prayer? We prayed, we believed in God, and we trusted, we poured out our hearts. And let's face it, some of us for praying is an inactivity. It's like, I got to do something. I'm a proactive person. I got to do, do, do. And, and talking to God and not sure what he's doing, so I've got to take something into my own hands. Sometimes we, we, we feel like we need to do something. We can't rely on God or God's not moving quick enough, and so we've got to do something. Isaiah 46 says, God knows the beginning from the end. He's all wise. Then there's the thought of the sovereignty of God. I mean, God is in control. He's in control of everything. And if God is sovereign and he's charted a course for his purpose, and if he's going to do as he pleases, then I suppose the question is, why pray? If God's going to do his own thing anyway, why pray? Perhaps there's some psychological value of praying and feeling like we've connected with the divine and there's some, some solace in knowing that he maybe has hurt us or will do something even if we don't see something happen. Or, or perhaps we can undo God's plan with our will. Um, we can do what we want and then is God powerless if we choose what he doesn't want? If what he wants to accomplish, we're fighting him on that? And we may say, well, then why pray if that's the case? But listen, think about it. If God were to answer every prayer for every person, everything they wanted, everything they wished for or willed, so much of that goes contrary to God's revealed will. So much of that is at cross-purposes. It's interesting. As we think, how, how do we make sense of this all? Does God hear and answer prayer? But in God's wisdom, does he understand that sometimes he won't grant something for us because he tried to teach us patience through suffering? Maybe it's because also with him, our failure produced character in us and he had a higher uh, purpose for us. 
He moves. Here's the interesting thing. How do we, how do we put this all together? I want, I want to suggest to you this, that God moves and works in us to pray. And that's part of his, the, the means that he uses to fulfill his will. He sets people to praying. And he answers those prayers in fulfillment of his purpose and plan and will. And God can use you and he can use your prayers to touch our world powerfully through Christ. One life at a time. James says the prayer of a, uh, uh, the, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I want to show you uh, three areas where that happens today. First, prayer, uh, in, in prayer touching our world, I want to first look at this. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes me. We talk about uh, having an impact on our world, touching our world. Prayer first starts right with us. See, we think of, God, we think of prayer as asking God for what we want, making a request of God. Um, God, I want this. Gimme, 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 gimme. That's a little crass, but somehow that's the way we are. Bless me, bless this one, bless that one. Um, we think of prayer of asking God for something, and that's legitimate because prayer is asking God for something. But many times the object of our prayer uh, is to get God to line himself up with our desires and our wishes. We want God to do something for us, to meet our needs. And so we pray and, and uh, we ask God to do that. But one of the pur- purposes of prayer is not aligning God with our wishes, but it's for us to line, align ourselves with his wishes, with his will, and with his purpose. We spoke the Lord's Prayer this morning. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will enacted in heaven? Perfectly, comprehensively, in every way, fully. And our prayer, whenever we pray that prayer, is to ask God for this. God, we pray that... uh, You would align us with your will. We pray that what your will is in heaven will be enacted the same way on earth. That we will fully seek your will. This is a powerful prayer. It's a powerful prayer. I mean, you uh, you kids don't get that in school. But when some of us who are a little older than you, we got that uh, every day. We recited the Lord's Prayer. We didn't know what we were saying to a great extent. And the, and the impact of this. So, so here we are. Praying God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will will be fulfilled here. And uh, so precisely executed as it is the same way in heaven. So to touch our world for, for, through Jesus is to be touched by God ourselves. Brian Chappell wrote a book uh, called Praying Backwards. Now, many of us kind of conclude our prayers from, from scriptural um, uh, teaching with, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. What does it mean to, be, to say in Jesus' name? And Brian Chappell would suggest that uh, we need to start with the end in mind, 
before going through all of that and putting it at the end. That in Jesus' name is a formula, but it's so much more than a formula. It means that the access we have to God is through Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name because our only authority to to come before Almighty God is through the work of Jesus uh, we have. So it's our our means of access, but it's also a means of of, of authority of prayer. That our, our requests would agree with what Jesus would desire and Jesus would want. And Jesus demonstrated this in his own life. In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, here is Jesus. He's, he's uh, gone to the garden after that uh, Passover meal. He's preparing himself for his death that's going to happen in, in just a few hours from this time. Uh, he goes and he... He prays and he invites the disciples to pray as well. And he takes James and John and Peter and he takes them a little further. And he goes a little further yet. And he says, pray, pray, pray. And we hear the prayer of Jesus. We hear Jesus agonizing over the will of God. He, he's, he's, has, uh, he has the, the, the struggle of knowing what's ahead of him. And saying, oh, Father, if there's any way, take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. In Luke 22, in verse 42, it says this. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Prayer was, was a means of lining him up with the Father's will. Not saying, I, I want to go here, do this. Uh, Father, bend your will to me. No, it's bend my will to you. To you, And so Jesus, who has, has such this close, intimate relationship with the Father, um, is, is uh, submitting himself through prayer to what the Father's will would be in conformity. In Matthew uh, chapter 9, uh, we have this description of Jesus and what he's going through. It's a synopsis of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, like, they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is Jesus' prayer request that he wants us to pray. Jesus looks at people. He looks at all of the the challenge and the difficulties. He sees people that are burdened and beaten up and harassed and helpless. And he can't look at them without his heart overflowing with compassion for them. And Jesus says, uh, as he sees them coming to him with all of their needs, he meets their needs and he said, you know what? The problem is, is not that we don't have people that need God. In fact, we have a harvest that's plentiful. Any of you know anything about farming? Um, you know, when, when you let things sit in the field and you don't harvest them when they should, they spoil, they go bad. And Jesus looks out and he says, there's a plentiful harvest. And what we need is we need workers. That's the problem. Now, let me say, if you pray Jesus' prayer, if you say, Jesus, you said that there is a plentiful harvest, and you said that if we're going to do something, we need workers. Now, when you pray that prayer, you need to be asking yourself this question. Should I be a worker? 
Is this something I'm praying for somebody else? Is this something that I should pray for myself? And as you read scripture and and you pray according to scripture, you need to be asking yourself, is God asking me to line my will up and my purpose up with his purpose? And see, when you start and do that, something incredible happens. God uses you to touch others. In the early church, uh, there was a time of persecution that the church underwent. Jesus had just been crucified. They thought they were, they'd done away with him. Uh, they, uh, they struck the shepherd and the sheep should have scattered, but the sheep stayed there because Jesus arose from the dead. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus had commissioned them uh, to take the good news everywhere, and they start to do that. And when they do that, they run into problems with, uh, with opposition from the same people who killed Jesus, and they threaten him, you keep talking like this, and we'll kill you too. What a challenge this was. And, and um, so they've been, uh, John and, and Peter are hauled in before the Sanhedrin and, work, and, and worked over by them, uh, released, and they, they, they gathered the church together and they began to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but when this kind of thing happens, my inclination is, pray, is to pray this way. God, protect us. Don't let them get us. Don't let the, they, they had been imprisoned. Uh, they would be beaten. Don't, don't, let, don't let them get the better of us. Protect us. Give us safety. There's nothing wrong with, with that prayer. But when you look at their prayer, um, they knew that God had a mission for them to do, and they knew they'd have to be faithful to that. And so uh, in Acts chapter 4, we read this. Here's their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place place where their meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What did that do? It lined them up with God's purpose. They said, if we're going to do God's purpose, then what we need is we need to be bold. They've threatened us. They said they'd kill us and all the rest of that. And, and we need boldness, boldness. If we're going to touch our world for Christ, we need to be bold enough. And so they prayed and God answered the place. It was like, it was like there was an earthquake. And they went out and what did they do? Spoke the word boldly. That's exactly what God wanted them to do. See, prayer lines me up with God's purpose. And, and if, you, if, you don't, um, if you don't recognize or acknowledge that, you're going to be trying to do it on, on the periphery. You're trying to make God do what you want when if you're going to really touch somebody's life, you need to align yourself with God. Well, prayer changes me. But secondly, then, prayer changes others. Prayer changes others. God can use prayer to make a difference in somebody's life. Through prayer, God changes people. And I want to suggest to you, one of the areas he does this is in spiritual stability and growth. Keeping them on the right path. Um, I, want to, I told you before, I have a prayer partner. For over 20 years, he's prayed for me every single day. And the gist of his prayer has come out of uh, 
Colossians 1, 9 to 12. I want to read this to you because this is how he prays for me every day. He prayed, already prayed for me this morning with this. The Apostle Paul says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, Colossians, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with all the knowledge of his will through all the, wis- through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the her- inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of life. Wow! What a prayer! Every day, God, I pray for Kevin. I pray that you'd touch his life. I pray you'd make yourself known to him, that you'd show him your will, that you would guide him and direct him so that he'd be fruitful and he would grow in his faith. And, And he prays this for me every day. See, I stand before you as somebody who's been uh, the beneficiary of praying people. God has put praying people in my life. How, how, have I made it, how have I made it this long? Is it because I'm, you know, a wonderful guy? Absolutely not. What is it, what is it that, that, that has kept me going and fueled me and, 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 and God keep me in line all these times? It's this, that God put praying people in my life. People who made a difference in my life, who prayed for me. I, I, was, I had the privilege of being born into a family where Christ was taught, where we went to church from day one right on through. I had parents who prayed for me. I had a grandmother who prayed for me. She prayed. My, my aunts and uncles uh, relate the story because uh, I, I was the oldest child of the oldest child. And so I got like super time with my grandmother who was a godly, godly woman killed by a drunk driver when I was just over two. But she would pray over me incessantly. She taught me scripture. Uh, She cared for me as my mother uh, worked to help uh, establish uh, our business. And, And she prayed by the hour for me. And if you talk to my aunts and uncles, they would say, Kevin, we believe that you're in ministry today because of the prayers of your grandmother. If you could have heard her praying for you, left an indelible mark on my life. Um, Not only that, I had Sunday school teachers. I had a couple of them that I really remember who prayed for me. I had a pastor who, who, uh, who married Gerda and me, and he was there in those formative years of, of our life in, in mid-late teens into, into our 20s. And um, he, uh, he prayed for us. And a, a few of us guys from our church went into ministry. And his wife, uh, his wife would say, you know, uh, Reg prays for his boys every day. I had a pastor who was praying for me beyond the time that he was my pastor anymore. Kept praying for us. I went to speak at my, uh, my home church uh, at a Christmas time, uh, which was, I mean, a great privilege. I, I hadn't had a lot of experience, and it was so kind of them to invite me to, to speak. And I remember after, uh, as was 
our custom there, the, the, the pastor, the speaker would go to the door and shake you out. You got shook in and we would shake you out. And, and there was a, a man who had been a career missionary. His, his son had been my Sunday school teacher, been a career missionary, Cyril Forth. And he came to the door and he said, Kevin, I've been praying for you for years. An old missionary who thought to pray for me, whom God raised up. We went to train for ministry. We got into, we moved to London. We didn't have any family there and whatnot. But there was an older couple in our church, Dr. Merle and Ruth Estabrooks. Um, godly man had been in ministry for about 45 years. We adopted them. And uh, when Gerda would be working, she put me through a seminary and we couldn't get back for Christmas. We'd have Christmas with them. And uh, I remember going through a time where I was ready to quit. Uh, I, was, I was burnt out. And, uh, and, and in fact, it scared Gerda. She said, I think you need to go and talk to the doc. And we sat down and talked. And he had been praying for us and helped us negotiate that difficult time. He prayed us through those trying events. Went into the pastor. I remember going into the the nursing home. And there was a a woman I was going in to visit. And she was sleeping. So I thought. So I stood over her bed looking at her and and praying for her. And, And she stirred a little bit. She said, is somebody there? I said, yes. It's your pastor. Oh, pastor. I was just praying for you. She was blind. She couldn't see anymore. But this frail little old woman was praying for me. Uh, you, you wonder why. Why, why, you, why you made it. How you've gotten this so, so far. And then God gave me Ward. And I just mentioned Ward. Over 20 years has prayed for me. And when I went to, to my second church, uh, the first Sunday there, um, I saw one of our elders, and I grabbed him before the service, and I said, Les, would you come and pray with me? He said, are you nervous? I said, no, I'm not really nervous. I just know that God, unless God shows up, nothing's going to happen. And he came early every Sunday and sought me out to pray with me. He had cancer, and he died. We... We buried him, and his son had come on our board. And his son knew what he did. And he, so, so what he did was he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Dad's place. I'm gonna pray. And the mantle of prayer fell on his shoulders. And he prayed for me. He came in to pray for me at uh, 8.15 every Sunday morning before our first service. And, and, uh, and when I left that church to come here, he didn't stop praying for me. He calls me every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock right on the dock. And he prays for me. He prays for you. He prays for our service here. And uh, so this morning, I'm, I'm watching the time, and, and sure enough, right on 8 o'clock, if he's, if he's in, uh, in BC on business, he sets his alarm for 5 in the morning so that he can pray with me and pray for the ministry and pray for you. I had a man that I told you about as a mentor to me who, who helped me through a difficult time, uh, Dr. Greer. Um, what a privilege to have somebody like that. I went to a funeral once and somebody said, yeah, this is Kevin Rutledge. 
And uh, she said, you're Kevin Rutledge. You're the person I've been praying for. I didn't know this person from Adam. But she'd been told something and she started to pray for me. I was astounded by that. When I was, uh, when I was off here uh, a, a Sunday and I knew that Pastor Chad Short was going to be back in the area. And I called him and I said, Chad, would you, would you speak at our church? And uh, he said, oh, let me get back to you. And, and he said he would. I was, I was so humbled and touched that he came here and preached. And here's, here was his message. How to, preach, how to pray for your pastor. And he said, could we have a list at the back? And can you put 31 lines on there and get people to sign up that will pray for their pastor? I was so humbled by that. See, I stand here as the, as the product of somebody who's received prayer. It's made a difference in my life and it can make a difference in your life as well. It's not just for growth and for stability, but it's also there's prayer for restoration. Job went through a terrible, terrible time. And in that terrible time that he went through, he had some friends that were less than helpful to him. They, they thought they were being helpful, but they weren't at all helpful. And in fact, they had messed up, and God was going to judge them for that. And um, in, in Job, we have these verses. God says to these friends of Job, he said, so now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourself. My servant Job will pray for you and I'll accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the Namathite uh, did what the Lord told them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. They had blown it. Uh, they needed restoration to God and, and, and God said, you better go to Job and pray and ask him to pray for you that I'll, re- I'll restore that relationship. See, God enacts his will through prayer. And here are these guys. If Job didn't pray for them, God was not willing to do something in their life. It was through prayer that that happened. Some of you undoubtedly will know the name of Jim Cimbala. He's a pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York. Gerda and I have had the privilege of visiting that church and, and God has done an incredible thing uh, through Jim Cimbala over the years. I mean, he started in Brooklyn in a broken down church uh, with like a handful of people. He, he now is, is leading a church of thousands upon thousands and thousands of people um, with, a, with a choir that has uh, won awards that his wife has led about a 250 voice choir that when... Um, when President Obama was inaugurated, uh, the choir was invited to come and sing at his inauguration. Famous all over the place. Um, but things aren't always well in a pastor's life. And this guy who had everything going, had new churches started, he had conference ministries, everything he did. But inwardly, things were breaking down um, on him. 
um, he, he was going through a difficult, difficult time. And his daughter, Chrissy, was giving them no amount of grief. Uh, wandered far from God. Um, left home. Got pregnant. Uh, for two and a half years, it was like hell, he said, in their home. And he had had five months of no contact with her. Um, his wife had had a hysterectomy. Her, her uh, hormones were going uh, crazy, he said. Um, she was uh, depressed to the point of being suicidal. And he's keeping the ministry going. And all this is happening. And he hasn't seen his daughter. And, and um, he said it came to a Christmas Eve service. And he, he just cried the whole service. Cried the whole night away was so discouraged at what, what was happening. Uh, sometime after that, they were having a prayer meeting. And in the prayer meeting, um, somebody just felt prompted by the Lord that, they should, that we should be praying for his daughter. Sent a little note, had it passed up to him. And he said, okay. And we prayed. They, they prayed. And they prayed. And uh, that night he went home. And the next morning, he was shaving, and his daughter came home. And uh, he, he talks about, I, I had to wipe the shaving cream off to go downstairs. And he came downstairs, and there was his daughter on, on all fours, just weeping profusely. She said, I've sinned against God, mommy and daddy. I've sinned against you. I've been so far from God. He said, Daddy, what did you do? People were praying. I know people were praying. Last night, people were praying, and she had this, she had this uh, experience of a vision that uh, she, was, she was in a vehicle going toward an abyss at about 90 miles an hour, and, and she, was, she was so frightened of this. And, and, and then she said she had a picture of Jesus with his arms opened wide, saying, I love you. Come back to me. It'll be okay. I still have purpose in your life. And so she came back that night in response to prayer. Prayer restored her. She's married now. She's, she's a pastor's wife. She leads the music in a church in Chicago. God did something, but he did it through prayer. He can restore through prayer. In my first church, I had a woman by the name of Beatrice. She had, six, she had uh, ten children. And we have prayer meeting and... Uh, I'd say, Beatrice, what can we pray for you? Pray for my children. Pray for my children. As she was a, a little lady, she was hunched over. And when we would start to pray, and she'd always mention a, a, a son or a daughter or a grandchild, pray for my family, pray for my family. And when we would pray, she would weep and weep praying for her family. Um, her oldest son was a solid Christian. He was my board chair for years there. And uh, we saw God working one after another so that I think at latest count, seven of them have come to Christ through that. Um, pray, pray, pray. One of them used to, they used to come to church now and again for, uh, for Mother's Day or something for mom. Mom said, what do you want? I want you to go to church with me. I remember uh, the youngest of one uh, of these is uh, uh, saying to him, you know, he, he played the drums professionally. I said, Murray, you know, God can use a good drummer. I used to say that every time. I came, Murray, God can use a good drummer. And uh, what happened was, in time, I, I, uh, Murray came back. 
He came to Christ. His sister came to Christ. His two other sisters came to Christ. Another of his brothers came to Christ, one after another. And it's not all done. But her prayers, even from the grave, are bearing fruit. God responds to that. Uh, well, you also pray for the sick. In uh, James chapter 5, we see this. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. God responds to prayers. You say, well, does that mean God is going to heal every single person? I can't say that. All we can do is be faithful in in doing what Scripture says and asking God in behalf of others to touch them, to speak through them. Well, lastly, prayer changes history. Prayer not only changes individuals, it changes the course of history. The very nature of history can be altered by prayer. The Assyrian Empire was breathing down the necks of God's people in Judah. They had wiped out all of the nations around them. They just had rolled over them all with their, their military might. And uh, in fact, they wiped out the, the northern kingdom of Israel, sent them off into exile, God's judgment. And they're now breathing down the neck of, uh, of the southern kingdom of Israel. And, and um, what do you do? In a case like that. What do you do now when, when you're going to be wiped? They're going to wipe you out. And it, 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 you, can, you can try and hold them off. But you're, gonna, you're going down. Militarily they had too much against them. And so Hezekiah the, the king. Uh, went and besought the Lord. And we see in, uh, in uh, Second Kings this. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Uh, one thing that the messengers did, they, they sent a message, say, you surrender now or we're going we're gonna to wipe you all out. And uh, so he took that letter, read it, and then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Sennacherib uh, has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to these nations and their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord, our God. And God answered that prayer. They didn't have to lift a finger. The angel of the Lord wiped out 185,000 soldiers that were going to wipe them out. It changed the very course of history in that part of the world. Because God responded to prayer. God enacted his will through prayer. Moses, I'll I, I just tell you about this. Moses comes down from, from uh, Mount Sinai. 
Aaron has made the golden calf. There's all kinds of debauchery, revelry, drunkenness, everything, everything bad going on. Moses was so upset. God was upset. And he said to Moses, I'm going to wipe this people out, all of them. I'm going to wipe them out. I'll start again with you. Moses prayed. Moses prayed, God, don't, don't do it. Would you, you made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What will the nation say if you do this? And God relented in what he was going to do. And I would just tell you this was all in the plan of God that he spared those people. History was changed. The course of history was changed for them because of prayer. In my first church, we had um, we were outgrowing our facility, and, and we looked to buy property. And we'd been through a long process, uh, and we needed to get a severance. And uh, so we did due diligence and did all our work, and um, we had a severance uh, um, a hearing. So a, a few of our leaders went up, and we asked our people to pray. I'll never forget it. Uh, we went in there. The severance uh, application was made. We could make some comments, which we did. And then the, the, the head uh, planner for the county, um, uh, basically when they were all done, then they went through all of the applications, one after another, after another, after another. And th- then they came finally to ours. So it's, we've got this application for a severance. Who will move? I'll move. Who will second? Second. Any questions? Fine. And they voted them. They went through. They got to ours. And um, this person who was the, uh, the head, uh, the head uh, person in charge of all the severances uh, then took, a, took a, a shot at us. Uh, he asked me one question. He asked, how many people did you have? He, he had a, been in a church, a downtown church that has no property. We were looking for five acres um, on the highway. And uh, he said, this is unnecessary. You don't need this. We have, we have a church that has 1,200 people, and we have no space. Well, they had a roll of 1,200 people. They had about uh, 80 people that attended. And so he just dismissed us. But he carried a lot of weight. And we watched him just... Uh, demeaning what we were doing in our project. I watched it, and, and, and like the, it was like the blood was draining out of you as he went on and on. And then he said, um, uh, the person chairing the meeting, all right, we need uh, a motion. And nobody would motion. This guy had intimidated them. He, 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 and um, no, one, no one would make a motion. And this went on like for 15 seconds. Now, 15 seconds isn't a long time unless you're there in anticipation. And, and waited, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. And we were just praying. And, and, and then one old farmer who was on that committee said, we could do less than let this church have that parcel of five acres. We've got hundreds and hundreds of five-acre parcels not doing anything in agriculture around here. And the chair said, are you making that a motion? Yeah, I'll make that a motion. They said, okay. Uh, they voted five to one to grant us that. After we'd moved and the building had been built, I was, uh, I was there one day and a car came under our carport and somebody came in and said, um, the man who 
um, who made the motion for you to have this property would love to see the building. I said, well, that would be great. At this time, he had a walker, so they got him out of the car and brought him in, took him around the church. And um, it was was like God said, um, on the basis of prayer, hey, buddy, this is your, this is your hour. This is your, you're going to speak for me. You're going to make a motion. See, God works and he can change history. It's incredible. Uh, music team, come on up, please. We pray. We call prayer a high value. You can pray by yourself. We, we've got before you ever get here in the morning, our, our, our elders, or our, our ushers, are all praying together. They're praying for you. They're praying for everybody who's going to come through the door. The God would minister to them, touch them, speak to them. We have a pre-service prayer meeting that goes on. Uh, we've got after-service prayer. We've got a prayer line. We've got a Nehemiah prayer wall. Uh, we've got... Um, men's prayer at 6 a.m. Wednesday morning. We've got prayer and praise. We've got another one coming up in just over a month's time. We've got a group that prays when we go down to TAC. They, they just commit to praying because we believe that God works through prayer. And uh, so we're going to sing now. And I want you to think about your needs and prayer and how God could use you to touch somebody else's life in a powerful way through prayer.